0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Once upon a time, there was an old well. It stood outside the front door of a family farmhouse in New Hampshire. The water from that well was remarkably pure and cold. No matter how hot the summer or how severe the drought, the well was always a source of refreshment and joy. The old faithful well stood for years, until eventually the farmhouse was modernized. Wiring brought electric lights and indoor plumbing, and even hot and cold running water. The old well was no longer needed, so it was sealed up for use in possible future emergencies. But one day, years later, someone had a hankering for the cold, pure water of that old well. So he unsealed the well and he lowered down a bucket for a nostalgic taste of delightful refreshment from his youth. But as he pulled the bucket up, he was surprised that it was completely dry. That well that had once survived the severest droughts was absolutely bone dry. He was perplexed, and so he began to ask around why it had dried up. Soon, he discovered that wells of that sort were fed by hundreds of tiny little underground rivulets, which seep a steady flow of water. As long as water was drawn out of the well, new water would flow in through the rivulets, keeping them open for more flow. But when the water stopped flowing, the rivulets would clog and mud would close them up. And the well actually dried up, not because it was used too much, but because it was used too little. I share this because in many ways the same is true of us as Christians. If we don't draw from the living waters of Jesus Christ, who resides in us through the Holy Spirit, our lives become dry and barren. We need regular encounters with the Lord so that we don't become spiritually parched. Rather, We are called to live in the fullness of the Spirit of God who resides in us, in all that he's purposed for us. And today stands a reminder of this need for a continual encounter with the living God in all of our readings that we've just heard on this Transfiguration Sunday. But let's spend just a few moments in our first reading from 1 Kings As we look at Elijah's encounter with the living God and three reminders that arise for us to encounter God daily and to draw from the living waters as we cooperate and lean in to the Holy Spirit each and every day. So turn with me, grab your Bible or pull back up or hold before you that reading from uh, 1 Kings chapter 19 beginning in verse 9. As you locate it, let's remember where we are in Scripture. The time of Elijah was one of great trial. Israel had turned from walking with the Lord to seek false gods as they followed after the wayward king of Israel, King Ahab, and his treacherous wife, Jezebel. Now, just before this moment, Elijah had defeated The prophets of Baal, he'd executed judgment upon them and consequently had incurred the wrath of Jezebel, which led him to flee from before her. And we pick up now as he's on Mount Horeb, the very same place where Moses encountered God generations prior, as Elijah has now retreated into a cave. And it's there we pick up as he encounters the Lord we see the narrative opens as the Lord asks Elijah what he's doing. Why is he there? And as he does so, the Lord's question gives us a bit of a peek into Elijah's condition as Elijah responds. Notice, it's evident that Elijah responds from a place of defeat. Despite all that God has done, despite the major victory that Elijah has just had over the prophets of Baal, let alone the earlier acts that God has done through him for the widow of Zarephath and the miraculous raising of her dead child. In addition to the miraculous provision of God to get him to this mountain, let alone protect him from the king of Israel and Jezebel, here we find Elijah despondent, defeated, and depressed. The wrath, the opposition of just one person, Jezebel, has overshadowed all that Almighty God has done. It's stolen his joy, and so Elijah pours out his frustration before the Lord in response to God's question of him. But notice God's reply. God is unchanging. His character is unwavering. He remains merciful and faithful. If you look back in verse 11, we see the reply of Elijah is one to remind Elijah of who God is, instructing Elijah to go to the mouth of the cave. And it's there that the Lord first displays his power and might before Elijah with the wind and with the earthquake and with the fire It's a reminder that God is in control, that he still remains in power, that he's not forgotten nor forsaken Elijah. And then finally, in God's mercy, after this display of of, uh, great power, comes this gentle encounter with the Lord and the sound of a whisper. Notice, Elijah's encounter first served to provide him perspective. I believe perhaps therein is a first lesson for us as well. It's not just Elijah's encounter that we reflect on, but our own. In our encounters with the Lord, we too gain perspective. Perspective in the midst of life's trials and temptations. Because we, like Elijah, can easily lose perspective. We can get dragged down by the world. We can get dragged down even in the midst of COVID and snowy days being disconnected from one another. It's fun at first, but then it just drags on. We can be despondent by all that hits us through the news and through apps that we scroll through about what's going on in the world. We can forget the amazing ways that God has acted all throughout salvation history, as well as in our own lives. Sometimes the distractions and the things that derail us can be as large as the global pandemic we face, while at other times it can be simply the encounter with one person, as it was for Elijah. We can lose sight, we can lose perspective about who God is, what he has done, and what he is doing in our lives and in the world. And so we need these daily encounters with the Lord to remind us, to reshape us, and to reorient us in our perspective time and time again. That's why worship weekly is so vital. But daily worship is vital as well. Times in God's word, times to commune with God in prayer, To recall his faithfulness in our lives is is vital as well. For we need to draw from the living waters in our relationship with Jesus and walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, remaining connected with him. For the living waters, Jesus' living waters, never run dry, but we do. And we need perspective regularly. As we see echoed in our gospel reading, in this transfiguration of Jesus on the mount, Peter, James, and John also get perspective. They're reminded once more of who Jesus is, the authority that he has as he stands before them in this moment, and it carries them onward in the journey with Jesus to the cross and ultimately to their own crosses. Yet, there's a cautionary tale here, I believe, that we should note as Christians in the West. We can sometimes fall into this notion that we get perspective in the mountaintop moments with the Lord, like those literally before us on mountaintops in our readings. We, in our case, try to chase after these spiritual highs or moments where we may feel more connected with the Lord, whether it's a retreat or a conference, or even a style of worship we prefer, some routine that we have, we, we sometimes try to recreate it so as to get back into God's presence. At times, we, like Peter, can try to build booths to recreate moments, to linger a regrain perspective once again through these means, failing to see that the moments alone don't bring the change, but God does. While such moments, such perspective are wonderful, we mustn't lose sight of the fact that such perspective can come at any point that we encounter the Lord. And it's a matter of our hearts and our openness on our part to walk away having gained such perspective changed. Because the perspective alone doesn't just bring change. In fact, if we look back at our text in Elijah's encounter, back in verse 13, we discover this very point. Notice, if you're looking on with me, after the display of God's power and might and the sound of the whisper and the still small voice, God asks Elijah a second time the exact same question that he opens with. Did you notice Elijah's response? It's exactly the same. Not one phrase is different. And why is this significant? Well, even after Elijah's encounter, after gaining perspective with the Lord, Elijah is unchanged. He's still depressed. He's still despondent. He's still downtrodden. He's still frustrated and fearful. While his encounter was no doubt powerful and awe-inspiring, it got his attention, it captured his focus, but the encounter doesn't leave him changed. And it doesn't immediately change his circumstances. But notice what does. Look at verse 15. It comes as the Lord tells Elijah what to do. He says, go. Go, Elijah, and as I fumbled over those names as I was reading them this morning, go anoint these two new kings, one in Syria and one in Israel, and then go anoint Elisha, your successor. God gives Elijah his marching orders. And as we would see if you read on in verse 19, immediately after our reading drops off, Elijah departs from there, we would read, and does exactly what the Lord says. He obeys. And he goes. Now, you see what happens there? Elijah's encounter with God gives him perspective. But what changes in him comes not merely from the perspective that Elijah gains, but from the purpose that comes forth from that perspective. Beloved, I think there's a second lesson for us as well. We need encounters with the Lord that give us perspective, but that also give us purpose. Because many times we can get excited, fired up, and enthusiastic, ready to take on the world, but we don't know how. We don't know what to do from that encounter. I don't know about you, but I've been on retreats, I've been at worship conferences, I've been at seminars, I've listened to speakers, and I've been ready and inspired to take on the world, to evangelize the squirrels and the trees, and do all those things, and then not known where to go, what to do. And I go back to life as usual. You see, um, the change comes in the purpose we're given. That's something God does. The purpose to go, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, to cooperate and to realize who it is who resides within you and then to lead a life doing the things that Jesus taught and commanded. That is our purpose, to go and live the life that Jesus taught and commanded. To go and to walk in mercy and forgiveness, especially when it's hard. To raise children in a knowledge and love of the Lord, which comes with choices. To certainly not do certain things that the rest of the world does. Having to explain that to your kids. Having to look a little different. And to go and reorder our days and have times of encounter and live life differently. To go and share about Jesus when it's vulnerable and scary with family members and neighbors. To go and to lead a life with purpose. Not merely passing time until Jesus returns, but purposing to see the world changed here and now as we go and do all that Jesus taught and commanded. We have perspective, but we also have a purpose. From it comes one final lesson. That emerges that mustn't be overlooked. You find with me back in verse 17. God plans uh, for Elijah to go and execute judgment. His power prevails, and yet even in spite of all that God purposes, not only for Elijah but for his people, in the immediate things don't seem to change. God's people don't even heed the warnings of Elijah. They don't even recognize um, the things that is being done in their midst. They neither pivot nor repent, but they press on in their own purpose and ways. Many who saw God's power on display through Elijah in the showdown between the prophet of God, Elijah, and the prophets, the hundreds of prophets of Baal, they still chase after Elijah those false idols and false gods. And so Elijah's feelings are not unfounded, but they're not completely accurate either. Elijah's not the only faithful one left, because God will leave a remnant. Elijah is not alone. And in light of the perspective he gains, in light of the purpose that Elijah has been given, it doesn't immediately make everything easier, or even better. It doesn't immediately change the circumstances, but it changes the condition of Elijah's heart. So Elijah is reminded of God's promise once more. In the darkest moment, Elijah is reminded that God has not changed, even while the hearts of some of his people had. Even when it looks like hope is lost, God is still in control. Even in the face of despondency and defeat, he can depend upon God. And there's our final lesson as well from Elijah's encounter. It's a reminder of the promise of God. God reminds us here of his promises time and time again. Here, it's a reminder that he promises to leave a remnant in these verses. It doesn't make everything better or easier, but it does confirm for Elijah that God is still in control in the midst of his circumstances. God is changeless, and God's promises will prevail. We need that reminder daily as well, don't we? Especially in these days. As we encounter the Lord, we gain perspective We're reminded that we have a purpose, and we cling to the promises of God. Especially when it appears that life around us has not changed, when it seems as though nothing is happening. When we need to be reminded of the story that God is graciously giving, when we pray and we see no effect, when we talk to people and we see no change, when we're out in the world and it looks like nothing is changing, we have the promises of God as we persevere. The final amen, before the final amen in Revelation, at the conclusion of the story, we're reminded God reigns and rules and all things are set right. But until that time, trials will come, changes will beset us, and the days will be hard, but God's promises never fade and will always come to pass. Keeping the promise before us, gives us hope in the moments when hope seems lost, just as it did for Elijah, in these or any dark days that we may face. And they stand as a reminder to us that we need daily to encounter God and to drink deeply from the living waters through faith in Jesus Christ as we commune with him and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need daily encounters For from such daily encounters, we're provided perspective, we are given a purpose to go and do all that Jesus taught and commanded, and then we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, remembering his promises. Even when things don't change, even when challenges arise and trials come, we remember that God does not change and his promises never fade. So, beloved Let that truth wash over you today. Let it refresh you today. Let it reinvigorate you today. So that you don't merely leave this day refreshed, but you leave this day with more than a feeling. You leave with the fortitude to forge on in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son,